I'm black, you're white. Now what? So what if I say the wrong thing? You probably will. Who doesn't? But I'll do my best to listen. Maybe if we're humble enough to listen to each other. Maybe if we're brave enough to lean into those difficult conversations. We might. We could. Come up with some answers. Make some real progress. Discover how much we have in common. And appreciate our differences. Now you're talking. Good evening, and thank you for uh, joining us for another episode of I'm Black, You're White, Now What? I'm David Conley, communications consultant. And I'm Chris Thurber, clinical psychologist. Hey, Chris, how you doing? It's, I'm good. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. It's, uh, it's been a little while. Been, I know both of us have been running, trying to do our best to save humanity. <laughs> save humanity. <laughs> <laughs> we're, I don't know, mixed results, but yeah. I right, like, exactly, exactly. Praise the effort, not the outcome. Uh, please do, please do. Um, but I thought it was, uh, you know, really a good time to, you know, kind of circle back and get to uh, just kind of talk about, I mean, a number of uh, issues and things that are going on that are, yeah. you know, great topics to to talk about. What's been blowing my mind probably most recently uh, are some of the images uh, that are coming up about uh, the Haitian immigrants that are, are trying, or I should say refugees at this point, uh, because they haven't yeah. officially immigrated, but uh, trying to cross the border, uh, which is its own, you know, complex issue. Um, and I'm, I know I'm not, I don't want to speak for you, but I know I'm not necessarily a uh, an expert on uh, border policy and or you know what should be done uh, with regard to the influx of people trying to get across the border and, and how that should be done and it's a very complex issue and I don't envy anybody who has to deal with it on the local state or federal level but I was very very um, I guess the words would be uh, struck appalled triggered uh, by some of the images of uh, people running uh, what would seem like in fear of their life and folks chasing them down on horses with uh, whips and the reins of their horses, whipping them and trying to grab them. And it was just like images that were very reminiscent of uh, some dark, dark times for uh, race relations in America. And I just thought, man, whose idea was it to make this the standard operating procedure <laughs> for the border patrol during this time who said you know what we ought to do uh who's got horses let's get and anybody got got some of those whips let's get some of those out make and, sure you're wearing uh, the see. chaps with the fringe too to make it look authentic <laughs> right and see what we can do about corralling some of these these darker folks uh coming across i just thought it was it was amazing to see images like that in 2021 in an official capacity. Um, yeah. And I think that was the thing that was most disturbing to me. I know you saw some of the images and read some things about it. Tell me what you thought. Yeah, no, I, and you absolutely can speak for me. I feel the same way. It's appalling. It's striking. And as you said just now, an image like that in 2021 when I was really hoping that, especially at the federal level, 
and with the president and vice president that we currently have in office, a kind of social conscience would have taken hold enough that there would be different recourse. I mean, as you said, the issue of immigration is very complicated and neither of us is an expert in that. So many layers, as you said before the show, above and below and, but the inhumanity of those images transcends all of the complex context around immigration. Like people are people are people. These people are hungry, tired, thirsty, sick, and looking for a home. Mm -hmm. Who would begrudge anyone of those basic needs? And whatever the immigrant refugee asylum pieces are part of this, it's just never okay mm -hmm. to whip a person. Right. Right. Period. Right. And there may be border patrol agents who use horses to patrol miles and miles that would take them 10 times longer if they had to walk it themselves. And sometimes they're using ATVs and sometimes they're using pickup trucks and sometimes they're sure. using horses and like, fine. But where's the training that says when there's 15,000 people and they're under a bridge, however they got there, whatever cartels paid for the buses to go from the Guatemalan border with Mexico up to the Rio Grande, as you said, that's, those are political issues that are very complicated. But what's not complicated is how one person treats another person. And if those border patrol agents were feeling overwhelmed, then they could fall back, call for backup, do something else. There's, there's not regroup. regroup. What is it? Where is it in the playbook that if someone gets close enough to your horse, charge them or grab your reins and use it as a whip? It just, it, it, I feel like for those individuals, either by lack of training or lack of understanding or whatever it might be, prejudice, they have just regressed and gone from 2021 to some, as you said, much darker period in our history. And it's so discouraging. It is. It's, uh, like you said, we were, and I, I, I don't want to lump everything uh, that may have happened uh, progressively uh, since the new administration has come in and, and God knows they have a lot to, you know, sort of dig us out of. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that's going to be painful to do. And so, uh, you know, certainly I'm not, I'm not saying that there's been an easy road, but I, I was like you hoping that, um, that we would see a lot more of a conscious effort to see people as people. Yeah. And I think part of what made this okay to some people, uh, maybe in a panic or in, in a heat of some sort of uh, passion, like you said, feeling overwhelmed or what have you, 
what made that be okay is your latent feeling about people of another race or from yeah. another country or whatever, as opposed to connecting uh, on a basic human uh, level. And again, you know, when I have these discussions with people, it is uh, the pushback I often get is that I'm saying you should just let wh whosoever will in, um, whether they have, uh, you know, bad intentions for uh, America or not and all that. And that's the furthest thing from what I'm saying. I, I Like I said, I know that immigration and keeping everybody safe and all of that is a very complex uh, and very necessary issue. So I'm not even saying that every one of the 15,000 people under that bridge should get into the country and stay right. and, and do whatever. I, I know that there are costs to that. I mean, it's, it's a very complex issue. I guess what I'm saying is surely there are systems in place or systems that can be put in place. This is we're we're a very smart country theoretically uh, that can be put in place to deal with such issues in a way that is a lot more humane than yeah. chasing people down on horseback. You know, and like I said, I made the kind of joke earlier about pulling out the horses for just such an occasion. I don't um, realistically think that that I'm sure they're using horses daily, like you said, to cover some of that terrain and what have you. Yeah. I'm just saying those images are uh, <laughs> are very want to get away, you know, type images like you see yourself, yeah. you know, whipping some people as you work. So maybe that wasn't the best uh, idea, but I guess I'm saying just how easy What's disturbing is how easy we go to that, how easy yeah. that is, uh, how easy it is for that to be okay. And that is a, is a real concern. So now there's an investigation into it. Now it gets more complicated and more deep. Now we get more polarized in this country with regard to uh, people making it all right to treat people that way because of who these people are and where they're coming from. And yeah. uh, and we'll say everything about them except the color of their skin. Uh, yeah. But on the images, that's an undeniable, you know, sort of sort of truth. So I don't know, it just, it made me sad. It made me hurt. Um, and I'm still got my fingers crossed and, and hold out hope for things to, to keep progressing and getting better. But yeah. um, I guess that is, it's proof that that's going to be, uh, continue to be, I should say, sort of incremental. Uh, we didn't get this way overnight, so we gotta, you know, incrementally get Well, and that's so key. I mean, we didn't get this way overnight. It's not gonna get fixed overnight. You're absolutely right that the current administration is, I mean, to say that it's better than the previous administration, at least in my opinion, is a dramatic understatement. It is it is a different species altogether than, than Trump. And there's a lot of residual nastiness and including racism that Trump left in his wake that, you know, he fomented and that is still percolating. Um, so something clearly needs to be done about all of those sort of ripple effects 
including what's going on at the border, right? I mean, it was Trump's policy to enable ICE to deport whoever they wanted to under the umbrella of, well, it's a pandemic, so mm -hmm. we're not going to process them like we normally would. They can't ask for asylum. They just have to go home um, mm -hmm. or back across to the other side of the border, not even home. And, you know, obviously the Biden-Harris administration has to look at that and decide whether they want to keep that policy, change that policy. And I can only imagine how hard Kamala Harris and, you know, her team are working. And I do understand that the border agents are overworked and understaffed. And it, all of that is true. And it doesn't take away from the overt racism of what we saw in those images. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if, if people actually dig, they will find not just the still images, but some video that was taken, maybe the still image is a capture from that video, but one of the agents on horseback is screaming at one of the men, one of the Haitian men who's in the water, or mm -hmm. no, just on shore and saying, criticizing him for having the women in the group he was with carry presumably food or whatever else they had it's not a lot so i'm guessing it's whatever mm -hmm. necessities and clearly there were some bags of food he's yelling is that the way you treat your women if that's mm -hmm. the way you treat your women no wonder your country is shit and mm -hmm. several things struck me about that one is your women i mean right, right. he he he's just a just a hair's breadth away from saying the n-word or yeah. or black people, people or but mm. like your women mm. there's so many bizarre things about that um this notion of possession or that mm. those women those black women are different from our white women right. so if that's the way you treat <laughs> right. your women right right no and for him to say that's why your country is shit is so ignorant mm -hmm. you know haiti has been through two earthquakes in the last few years as you were saying before the show presidential assassination which is just emblematic of the political chaos in that country it's the most impoverished yeah. country in the western hemisphere and you know basically we have you know colonization of that country mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. France and other European countries to thank for what is currently an absolute disaster. It's not something right. that, you know, the Haitian people didn't ask for earthquakes and assassinations, and they definitely did not ask to, you know, have the country colonized. And it just, it's a giant mess for which they are not responsible. And rather than our feeling a sense of responsibility, when somebody says your women, mm -hmm. it's it's such it's so distancing. It's not you and I are brothers, you and I are sisters, you and I are both humans. Like, and I'm sure what didn't make the 
video. the news coverage is like, who were the people who brought 150 porta potties and mm -hmm. are being paid $7 and 25 cents an hour? And who are the people who brought water? And there were probably so many people of all different races and ethnicities who are extending kindness to these refugees. Right. And like you said, it, we, we can't take some of these images and extrapolate, well, this is representative of all of humanity, right? Sure. But, but boy, it's problematic that that still exists, that somebody doesn't see another person suffering and say, you know, you gotta set aside where you're from, what you did, what color you are, and you're thirsty, I'll give you some water. We'll sort this out. And right. That's you know, what I was but, gonna say. I have to even do what I have to do. I have to yeah. do my job. And part of that job may be sadly to send you back to Haiti. However, I do not have to demean you, beat you, yeah. uh, run you down and, and everything else in order to do that. I do yeah. not have to demean you and the country you come from and everything else in order to to do, yeah. you know, my job as far as that goes. And and we used to, now I really sound like, you know, uh, my grandfather used to sound, but we used <laughs> to as All a right. country. Channeling, yeah. channeling your grandfather. Channeling grandpa, yeah, yeah. We used to uh, be as a country a lot better about being the place that people wanted to be like. Yeah. For good, bad, or indifferent, I'm not saying that America's, yeah. we've, we've talked about that, what America's history was like. Yeah. <clears throat> but I am saying, um there was a certain pride in uh us being the thing that people said hey well you know this is would be you know the standard or whatever to whatever degree um at least in the sense of an ideal yeah um but i mean if people are running from where they're coming from thinking they're coming to a better place in america and they get here and this is what they hear and what they see and experience uh, you know, I mean, it, it's horrifying and people don't even realize, you know, those same, what appear to me to be racist border patrol agents. And, you know, maybe that's two of 20, maybe that's right. representative of the whole group, maybe not. But what was really interesting as I was looking at news reports before the show, the MSNBC video and story that goes along with it, you know, 200,000 views. Um, you know, the Fox one, similar story, similar number of views. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's got like twice as many, half a million views mm -hmm. is Al Jazeera. And mm -hmm. they are, mm -hmm. to your point, I think I, I'm just guessing here, but you know, eating this up, they meaning people, the audience of Al Jazeera, who's largely Muslim audience, is saying, you know, America touts itself as mm -hmm. land of the free, home of the brave. Look at this, you know look at these people being treated like slaves mm -hmm. look at how cowardly these 
men on horseback are behaving. Mm -hmm. How does that align with some, you know, values that we're touting, right? And and those values are there somewhere when we just have to, you know, work harder to come together as a as a country because we are we you know there the parts of our citizenry that you know are making headlines in other countries with people who's you know who many of whom begin with a critique of the United States and our values now have a lot more salient data and you know it's it's um making it harder to bridge the gap between let's say the you know i'm painting with a very broad brush but the western world and the middle eastern world or uh christians and the u.s and, and anybody Muslims and the u.s and anybody thank you so it's just we're we are doing ourselves such a disservice when we are ignoring other people's humanity. No doubt. And and this goes back to, um, you know, in some of the training that you and I have done, that that status uh, for non-negotiable rules, you know, whatever you, uh, well, just for the listeners the, and the watchers, the viewers, if you will, the four non-negotiable rules of status or whenever you lower someone or something status, you lower your own in the eyes of others. Whenever you raise someone or something status, you raise your own in the eyes of others. Whenever you uh, raise someone's status, uh, you not only raise your own, but the status of who you represent. In this case, mm -hmm. it would be the U.S. or the Border Patrol or what have you. Uh, and then the other one is growth can only occur when all parties are operating on an equal high status level. So if you, uh, you're talking about relations with uh, not only uh, uh, Middle Eastern you know, countries that we want to be allies with or uh, that we're trying to uh, create new or repair relationships that may yeah. have been damaged yeah. or whatever, um, that's made more difficult by the fact that watching us lower these people's status lowers our status in yeah. the eyes of, of the world in that way. And it's just, you know, people looking for something that they can you know, get on you about or complain about or use, yeah. like you say, as an argument to uh, to hate you or to to stir hate for you uh, worldwide. Um, then you're just giving them, you know, more of that that fodder. But I I think too, um, and and I I can't lay all this at the feet of the past administration in the sense that says that all divisiveness and racism started when Donald Trump, for instance, got elected. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, that would be convenient, but that's that's not the truth. And right. I think what that administration and, and these past uh, four years have done and shown is that it made certain things okay. Yeah. It made dealing with people in that way and saying these things and whatever, okay. And then when you say something about it, it's like, no, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the N-word. But I'm not right, saying, right, right. you know what I mean. <laughs> so it's just it's that double talk. But but it is there's a marked, uh, I mean, difference now between what we call our separate groups all yeah. the time, you know. Um, and so that 
it's it's going to be difficult, and it's been proven to be a little difficult, even though we're better to to come back together with this. But whenever this is what I'm thinking about some of these images, whenever a situation presents itself that allows you to default to divisive thinking, people are coming from another country. Those people coming from another country uh, are of a different, uh, you know, skin color than mine. That allows you, if you're not doing the work, to default to a separate, I'm better than you. Right. Your right. country is shit. Uh, you know, blah 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 type mentality, and and then that's when that ugliness comes out, and before you know it, now you're in an image on a horse whipping a man as he runs for his life. And yeah. and if you'd ask that person, maybe, I don't know, you know, people one way or the other, so they could plus or minus be from the best to the worst. But theoretically, if you ask a person a week or so before that image, would this ever be used? No, there's no way that would be me. I treat everybody, you know, like this, this, and this. Meanwhile, they're the person who says, well, you know, we don't let inwards in the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that kind of um, that kind of thing exists. And I think, like I said, some of what we've been through recently has given license to everybody picking a side instead of yeah. uh, the side of unity and humanity. And that's that's sad, yeah. you know. And you've, I mean, you've your framework of status has really helped me understand both the causes and the solutions of prejudice and mm -hmm. or causes of solutions for. And I think it's a it's a really accessible way to think about that division and mm -hmm. divisiveness in general. As soon as you as soon as you other somebody, you have lowered their status and it makes it easier for some people it 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 gives them license to treat somebody not just as a second class citizen, but as we saw in those images violently and mm -hmm. and inhumanely and you're right there has been i mean uh there have been racial tensions you know the old testament is full of examples mm -hmm. different tribes fighting and using as justification for you know genocide the fact that this group thinks differently or this group mm -hmm. looks different or this group has different practices or they worship a different god or they worship a bunch of gods and that's a problem they should just you know worship one and it's like we have said many times in this episode and before these are complicated issues but it's the context that's complicated the individual interactions and this is where your framework has really helped my thinking because I get overwhelmed when I think about mm -hmm. how is Chris Thurber going to create 
political change in the United States. I can't even create political change in the little old town of Exeter, New Hampshire, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So it's, just, I'm not a politician and not cut out for that. I'm more of a one-on-one -on -one person, which is why I love doing our show. It's why I like being a psychologist. Mm -hmm. It's why I'm really happy writing. Cause that's, that's one-on-one, -on -one. like that's me and my own voice, you know, it's just, right, right. And I think it's the same, like for you for screenwriting. And, and I feel like, anyone who's wondering what the heck do we do about this can think about your framework of status and ask themselves what are they doing intentionally or unintentionally but still within their awareness that that others somebody else and mm -hmm. boy how does that change the world you know it's just i i know that lots of factors change and influence people's behavior their their economic conditions job stress family discord mm -hmm. and i'm not taking anything away from how challenging just the day-to-day -day is for a lot of people and yet there keeps being this constant transcendent factor of how one human being treats another human being that boy if we were able to reduce it to that in our mm -hmm. own minds more frequently so many of these it gets a problems, lot more simple yeah because yeah. you know what i here's I, here's cynical chris coming out somebody is going to you know fly down to texas a few people are going to lose their jobs everybody else is going to get a two hour diversity training that's infinitely <laughs> right. forgettable and then they're back at it. Right, right. <laughs> right. What the hell? Right. They're back in the saddle again. Back in the saddle. It's so mm -hmm. I just right. I hope something better than that happens, but I just But you, you know, know that that's that's easier to do to check that box off. And exactly. that's the that's the you know what and then and, and that that it's still the same thing, but it touches on uh, something else. A lot of the the training that you and I have done with regard to diversity um, with other with organizations and uh, some of the other training I've done regarding personal leadership and uh, what have you with my brother and and some other things. It's really interesting how people who bring us to do the training approach it. Mm. Say they more approach that. it, they approach it in a way that is uh, checking off a box. Mm -hmm. So you say, well, um, here, a lot of this diversity stuff is going around and we want to be able to say that we've addressed it. Like when you say, I got enough hand sanitizer to say we're COVID safe. You know? <laughs> right. But my behavior in general, my lifestyle for it has not changed. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, yeah. so in other words, I think that like what you say, cynical uh, Chris's take on what's going to happen is pretty accurate. And it's pretty accurate because it's easier, especially from an administrative standpoint, to do that and say, boom, we check the boxes off. Here's what we did to address the problem problem solved when election year comes i can say we did that i can point at the screen 
with right. this and say that this is what we did. Meanwhile, though, you have not changed or dealt with trying to change the hearts and minds of yeah. of people. And that I think the hardest thing about um, about any of that about altering any of it is is the work that people have to constantly do. So like what we were just talking about, what you were saying with regard to it coming down to how do I treat Chris? How does Chris treat me? Like, how do we together make sure we maintain the garden that is our uh, relationship? Mm, yeah. um, and and I heard my brother uh, say, and I, I stole it from him and try to pass it off as, as my own, but there's no <laughs> such thing as a maintenance-free garden. So you always have to do the work and whatever it yeah. is. If you're trying to stay fit, you know, you've got to do yeah. the work. If you're trying to eat healthy and be healthy, it's a lifestyle change as opposed to, you know, a, a, a two-week diet. So if right. we're talking about interpersonal relationships and how we treat people, that is a constant work in progress. And what you see oftentimes is an erosion based on laziness you know when it comes oh, to yeah. doing that work so now i'm it's easier for me to just say yeah well i took some diversity training but i'm still fall back on this thing that says you know mm -hmm. these people are like this or women are like that or you know like yeah. whatever and and now i can i can easily deal with that and, and that becomes over time a cemented sort of wall of thinking Right. But now I'm I'm sort of imprisoned behind, and now when I can put on the fake face until I'm faced with something that you do that makes me then say, "Well, see, that's how you <laughs> treat your women." So you right. know what I mean, blah blah blah. And so now here we are, and you go, "Oh," and it's usually when you got fifteen thousand people running for the border, and it's twenty four you on horses when it's. It's usually when you're in a press situation that the real you comes out yeah. and you go, oh, shucks, you know, um, this is you know, not who I thought I would be, but this is who I am. So it, I'm just saying that to say to anybody under the sound of, of my voice that that constant work on those simple who am I human to human principles will help guide you, even if you got to do something as uncomfortable as sending somebody back to um, a country that's, you know, you might think is not even a good place for them to go, but yeah. policy says one thing, but how you deal with people should be a, a, another, you know, policy altogether. And that's the thing, like, when I hear your explanation there, I'm thinking um, about the distinction between learning something and being something mm -hmm. i i don't think that diversity is a thing for these border agents not to pick on them we you know this is for all of us sure. i i don't think that that's you know diversity equity inclusion social justice it's not something to learn where mm -hmm. you go like okay i learned you know, how to balance this equation, or I learned this list of French vocabulary. Mm -hmm. It is like your brother saying, it is a, it is 
something you do to fertilize your garden and mm -hmm. that is is in need of constant maintenance as you said and I, I i love the i love the metaphor of relationship as a garden and i think you know if if i were kamala harris i would say okay here's what we're going to do first of all we have 15,000 people who need food and water and we're not exactly sure where they're going but we they need toilets they need food they need water they need shelter we need to get physicians down there we need to get uh you know we need books for the kids we need mm -hmm. like and there are lots and lots of people who would donate their time and their material possessions to make life easier for those 15,000 people at least for a couple of weeks right mm -hmm. and then i would say to all these border patrol folks who i understand understaffed underpaid stretched thin overwhelmed, overwhelmed i would say we are giving you a stipend because you are all going to host one of these Haitian families in your home for these two weeks. And mm -hmm. those people are going to feel like they won the lottery because the other, you know, 14,900 people are still <laughs> going to be under the bridge. But this is an experience that is going to fertilize that garden is going to create mm -hmm. a relationship and i would i would say you know that's it so we're you know when i say stipend uh you know i'm talking about a few thousand dollars for the extra groceries and necessities and you know clothes whatever um if you live in a small house um and four extra people is really going to strap i think we're also uh you know it's southern texas we're giving you a you know six person tent uh we're not saying it's you're gonna build a house for it but you're gonna live with these people mm -hmm. and, and learn at the end of two weeks dealing with you don't need to do a debrief you don't need to fill out a questionnaire uh but but that's gonna change maybe two weeks is not enough maybe it's four weeks but it's not a very long time but that's gonna change who they are in the way that you're suggesting it's gonna affect their hearts it's gonna establish a relationship that is no longer othering and you know suddenly and and i would you know they get all those border patrol agents and the refugees together after there have been this you know two to four week homestay and i would say all right now you all have a day to come up with the basics of a plan for mm -hmm what we need to do with these 15,000 people that are still under the bridge. And we're asking you because you represent the two sides of this issue. <laughs> and mm -hmm. who knows what they'll come up with, but I I guarantee that those yeah, that's the last time any of those border patrol agents are going to be physically aggressive with people crossing the border cuz they're going to they're going to think these are human beings. I think beings. there's I, there's that's a good i mean it's it would be more complicated of course but that would be I, I but the principle of saying some kind of exercise that shows that these people are human beings yeah and, and on both sides you know that, yeah. that you're able to look at the border patrol agents as human beings 
and they're able to look right. at you as a refugee, as a human being, and right. and that human common ground gets found. Yeah. Uh, I think is a very very good exercise, but I'm saying so that's something that's idealistic uh, yeah. and 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 See how quickly because, I went from know, cynical Chris to idealistic Chris. That's amazing. That's amazing. People are dynamic. <laughs> you have that effect on more, me. You have that effect on me. None more than Chris Thurber, Doctor Chris Thurber. But um, but I'm saying that to say it's a great idea about what we can do. Um, just human human yeah and i think it is a good exercise uh for people to identify somebody that you may not be as warm towards and they didn't have to be anybody from a different race or culture necessarily uh but i'm just saying just in general somebody that um that i don't know you that's not your you would consider, I wouldn't say like a straight arch enemy or anything. We don't want anybody to kill each other, but I am saying somebody where this would be a challenge for you to yeah. find some ways to see the humanity in them and hopefully foster them seeing the humanity in you and see if that relationship has room to improve. So in other words, you all would start treating each other like you're saying with the refugee and the border patrol family they each would come in and theoretically learn to treat each other with equal high status and when they do you would start seeing that relationship grow and i just but i think that in lieu of being able to get vice president harris on the phone and saying hey here's an idea what you want to try this she said hey you know Doctor, but that's an excellent idea. Let me run with that. Um, in lieu of that, I would I would just sort of encourage anybody listening to us to to maybe do that in your own life and just yeah. see what that's you know what that's like. Because and and here's the thing: everybody brings something to the table, even people you think are from a crap country that let the women carry the stuff. You don't know what the reasoning is behind that. Maybe they have a family unit where they're all together like that. And when if yeah. he's been carrying it for X amount of miles and she then picks up the thing and they join it, that maybe that's how you don't know. Yeah. But you can learn that without making those assumptions. Uh, when you start treating everybody with equal high status, you will also find that they may be bringing some things to the table that that you can learn that's not just a cultural difference, but that's a a human difference to something yeah. that you're not necessarily good at, but that they're good at. And, you know, I'm not as good at math as I am at writing, but I can write, help you with your paper. If you help me with my math homework, right, right, you know right. what I mean? whatever that is. And then together we can both improve our grades. So, um, you know, I, that's just a way to think about human interactions um without focusing just on whatever the differences are and thinking yeah. that those differences automatically mean you're deficient, you know? Yeah. So. And I think, you know, in in case anyone who's listening or watching thinks I'm being sanctimonious or something, I, you know, would be the first one to admit that I've made plenty of missteps and judged people or or othered people or objectified people unknowingly. And when someone points it out to me, it feels awful. 
and I've learned that in those moments it can be easy to get defensive mm -hmm. but if you're if you have a bit of humility you open up the possibility of of learning so much more again i'll give you a recent example um mm -hmm. from six years ago when i had the good fortune of a one-term sabbatical my family and I went to Australia and being someone who works with a lot of independent schools, I visited a number of independent schools between Adelaide in Southern Australia, all the way up to Cairns and even further North uh, in Northeastern Australia and visited one school, absolutely wonderful school um, called St. Barnard, Bernard's, and um, they serve a lot of indigenous kids and kids from the Torres Strait Islands. And we, we arrived very late at night in our camper van. We're greeted by the headmaster and uh, pretty much went to sleep. The next morning, um, he sort of knocked on the camper van and said, you know, good morning and please join us in the cafeteria for breakfast. So we got ready, went up five minutes later and my boys and my wife and I were some of the only white people mm. in the school. A lot of the teachers are indigenous. Um, we weren't a total novelty. There were some white kids who live locally. There were some white teachers. Um, but I was instantly aware of feeling in a sudden minority in that mm -hmm. regard, right? Um, sort of like working at a boys camp when I go to do a staff training at a girls camp and you know, so the like maintenance guy and I, who are the two men right. on the property, it, you, you notice it. Anyway, that wasn't the thing, but I um, was fascinated by the fact that most people in Australia love Vegemite and they're making these, you know, sandwiches or putting uh, on toast this very salty, this little, like solid soy sauce kind of thing. And I um, would much rather have butter or Nutella or something like that. Um, and so I took out my cell phone and wanted to take a picture of these kids who were all, you know, preparing their toast with Vegemite. And they were really shying away. It was clear they didn't want mm -hmm. their picture taken. So I put my phone away and I thought, oh, I didn't, it, this is, this is the biased part revealed. I, my thought was, um, these indigenous kids are really shy. Mm -hmm. And later in the day, I mentioned that to the headmaster and he said, oh, wow. You know, mm -hmm. you don't, nobody's told you and i said told me what um mm -hmm. and he said one of their cultural beliefs is that if someone takes your photograph it it can capture a piece of your soul in a way mm -hmm. that's 
uncomfortable and not like accepted in in that culture so you'll meet some indigenous kids and adults who are fine having their pictures taken and others who would just rather not and and in case again anyone listening is like well that's bizarre um you know mm. who would think that getting your picture taken would you know that would take a piece right. of your soul but just about everybody listening has at some point when someone next to them sneezes said bless you why do we mm -hmm. say that because there used to be a belief and maybe some people still believe it that the sneeze was an indication that your soul had departed your body for a second or the devil had nipped at your soul and tried to pull it away for a second and so that was why the person next to you would offer a blessing like mm. Um, we do it as a matter of mm. course, just like a lot of these kids would rather not have their picture taken as mm. a matter of course. And, and, you know, again, my thought was they're shy or something. I knew they'd seen cameras and cell phones before, but sure. it was just, yeah. it was just one of those moments where I thought, come on, Thurber, you're better than that. You know, mm. you, you didn't even bother to ask. You jumped to a conclusion. Um, and you know, it just, I don't know it, I was upset at myself for being insensitive in the first place, but more, I was upset at myself for just making a weird judgment that was very othering. And of course, you know, by the end of our stay at St. Bernard's, we had made lots of friends and the, we had brought some Frisbees that mm -hmm my boys were teaching the kids how to play ultimate frisbee and absolutely mm -hmm. loved it and it was just and i'm still in correspondence with that school i am glad that somebody pointed out to me that i was wrong i'm glad mm -hmm. that i just by a tiny fraction increased my understanding of another culture but mostly um i learned this lesson that you're talking about of waiting to you know form an opinion until after you've begun cultivating a relationship you know exactly and so that's what i i hope people do and yeah go out to lunch with that person that is you know works with you that you aren't particularly fond of and find out their story and mm -hmm. i don't know it's and just try to see um you know like some of the the value in them uh if you don't like them you're obviously clear on the the shortcomings and and they're probably clear on yours but yeah what you're probably more ignorant to is you know the things that oops that they bring to the table that are um yeah um you know more more valuable and yeah. and that you can that you can learn from i'll be the yeah. first to say there's uh people that i initially or knee-jerk in my life uh have you know said yeah okay whatever that guy but then later uh come to realize that there was something that I could learn uh, from them. And so do you think you that's know, what like your grandfather that done that too? I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, I like to think that, uh, that I've been able to do that going the other way, but I yeah. know that people have done that for me. What were you saying about my I was grandpa? just going to ask whether your grandfather would say that that's that is one of the main differences like you were saying your grandfathers we're just not good at uh 
sort of recognizing one another's humanity, do you think he would have said that it's because we're not taking the time that previous generation used to take and not like to romanticize a generation ago or two generations ago, lots of problems in, in you know, everywhere, but would he attribute some of the change to somehow we are not in in more recent days taking the time to get to know people or giving them asking like you said what does this person bring to the table are we are we snapping to judgment faster than we used to i i mean i i i think the answer would probably be yes and no i think that um that given how things moved and how things were just when I was younger, I, I mean, I feel older than I am. Sometimes I think about when I was younger, uh, how things moved as opposed to how fast they move now due to computers, cell phones, uh, all of that kind of thing. The, the, the fact that I used to have to do uh, a, a paper or research paper by studying the encyclopedia or looking up books with the Dewey Decimal System in the library if it was open and until it got ready to close, where now I can be on the computer 24 hours a day and, uh, you know, Google all sorts of, you know, abstracts and, and different, you know, facts and things. Uh, just on my phone, even at a moment's notice, I tell the kids there's no reason to be ignorant in 2021. Um, so I, I think just the sheer amount of available information makes us more snap to judgment mm -hmm. now than before but to be fair given the the time that it was and what was available to us at the time i would say that that some of how we dealt was relatively um the same i i'd be i this part i will speak uh, for my experience as a black person, I don't know what it would have been like to be white and do this, but where I came from and grew up, especially before I got bused to a school that was predominantly white, there were people I didn't like and didn't get along with, but what we had was a sort of shared, and it sounds dramatic to say oppression, even though it's sort of accurate, um, but what we had was a sort of shared story with regard to that. So certain people got cut some slack because of that, I think. So even though there were people that I didn't, you know, really rock with or whatever, um, if they were from my neighborhood and we were from the same area, they got cut a little slack where some of that is different now. Like now I know a few of my neighbors and I wave at people when I'm walking through the neighborhood, walking my dog or whatever, but I don't know them on the level that I knew people growing up as a kid Yeah. in my neighborhood. I knew the kids, the grown people coming home. We used to, we talk about this sometime, my brothers and I, but coming, I used to catch the bus uh, to school when I was getting bused um, eight blocks from my house. But nobody had to walk me to the bus stop or drive me to the bus stop. And the reason for that was because my grandmother and my mother would know 
every step I made just about from the bus stop to my house <laughs> in that neighborhood because they had a network of other mothers and grandmothers who was around there. Who, yeah. And so by the time I got home, they would be telling me, oh, so you stopped at the such and such at the corner <laughs> store. You know what I mean? Wait, were y'all following me? What did I got? You know, just before GPS, so, you know, you didn't have to find my iPhone. spy network? Man, I'm trying to tell you, it was yeah. deep. They were better than the CIA. But my point is, the there was more of a sense of that. They knew me, I knew them. Yeah. Uh, I was reminiscing in my mind the other day about a neighbor that I had, and he used to uh, have us laughing, sitting on the porch, eating and, and talking and whatever. Everybody just kind of, they kind of looked out for you, uh, you know, in, in that way. I don't, I, I, my relationship with my neighbors mm. is not that same way now because everybody's kind of more siloed and, you know, we kind of deal with each other, you know, a little bit different. Yeah. And I will say now this is the funny, funny part in this same neighborhood where people wave at me and do whatever, when I have tried to, um, although I had all the paperwork together, shoot uh, some of the modules for uh, educational uh, things and whatever, Yeah. These, some people would come up to me and say, do you live in this neighborhood? Because they see me and my black crew uh, right. with so I'm just saying these are the you know, it's the same people though who when they see me with my with my right, dog right. they're like hey how you doing you know whatever but they see me with a camera it's like wait a minute I'm gonna call the police so I'm just saying it's yeah. it's it's definitely not the same thing and I think some of that is because of uh, we're, we're quicker to to stereotype and to jump into some of these things uh, like I said I think especially in the last uh, you know four to six years. Yeah, um, a lot of things, you know, have been more, more pronounced like that, because it's like people finally felt like they got to say, Oh, okay, I get to say the most racist stuff I want to say. For years, I can now say it because, you know, it's okay. And it's not okay. You know, so yeah. I don't know. But I well, think if we backed up a little bit and took some of that time, um, you know, we, we would, we would do better. I agree with you. And I, I, I know we need to wrap up in a minute, but I feel like that's another great topic for us to discuss is mm -hmm. given the glut of emails and texts and information, some of which is, it's a blessing that if you want to do research at three in the morning, you can get online. It's also forcing us to process information more quickly and therefore less thoughtfully with mm -hmm. not great consequences. And that would be an interesting thing to talk about. I, I think so. Yeah, uh, but everything that you've said in this hour has just made me think there's no substitute for, uh, you know, face-to-face -face interaction, which we all felt, you know, starved of during quarantine. But it's not just that it's, amusing or comforting or fun it's also a way to get to that place where you're holding yourself and another person in equally high status and moving that relationship forward and 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 tending to that garden that is that takes time it can't be rushed yeah. You know? And it takes constant work. And I think if you do yeah. it as a lifestyle change, it becomes 
easy. It's one of those things you look up and you say, oh, man, this has happened or this has been the evolution as opposed to mm-hmm. trying to make it, you know, immediate and like that. I, mm-hmm. Like I said, mm-hmm. I just think that, that that's something we ought to, if, if there's a takeaway from this episode, to me, that would be it, you know, is to start doing that that work, you know, on yourself yeah, and indeed. on your relationships. Yeah. Hey, man, it's great talking with you as always. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm glad that we're getting getting back at it for season two. And uh, that we'll be, you know, putting more of these shows out, talking about some some great topics. We got, uh, you know, some interesting things coming up. And so I'm excited to to delve into those with you. Looking forward to it. All right, my friend. Well, until next time, everybody take care of yourself and each other and uh, do the work, do the work. Do the work. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thank you for listening to I'm Black, You're White, Now What? You can find more episodes on the podcast channel Teaching What It Takes, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. To learn more about the work I do, visit www.preparingthepath.com. And to learn more about the work I do, visit drchristherber.com.